Section 32 of Why Frau Frohmann Raised Her Prices and Other Stories. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Alice Dugdale by Antony Trollope. Chapter 2. Major Rossiter. Perhaps he is coming here to see Miss Wanless, Alice had said to herself, and in the course of that week she found that her surmise was correct. John Rossiter stayed only one night at the parsonage, and then went over to Brook Park, where lived Sir Walter Wanless and all the Wanlesses. The parson had not so declared when he told Alice that his son was coming, but John himself said on his arrival that this was a special visit made to Brook Park and not to Beetham. It had been promised for the last three months, though only fixed lately. He took the trouble to come across to the doctor's house with the express purpose of explaining the fact. "'I suppose you have always been intimate with them,' said Mrs. Dugdale, who was sitting with Alice and a little crowd of children round them. There was a tone of sarcasm in the words, not at all hidden. "'We all know that you are a great deal finer than we mere village folk. We don't know the Wanlesses, but of course you do. You'll find yourself much more at home at Brook Park than you can in such a place as this.' All that, though not spoken, was contained in the tone of the lady's speech. "'We have always been neighbours,' said John Rossiter. "'Neighbours ten miles off,' said Mrs. Dugdale. "'I dare say the good Samaritan lived thirty miles off,' said Alice. "'I don't think distance has much to do with it,' said the Major. "'I like my neighbours to be neighbourly. I like Beetham neighbours,' said Mrs. Dugdale. There was a reproach in every word of it. Mrs. Dugdale had heard of Miss Georgiana Wanless, and Major Rossiter knew that she had done so. After her fashion, the lady was accusing him for deserting Alice. Alice understood it also, and yet it behooved her to hold herself well up and be cheerful. "'I like Beetham people best myself,' she said, "'but then it is because I don't know any other. I remember going to Brook Park once, when there was a party of children, a hundred years ago, and I thought it quite a paradise. There was a profusion of strawberries by which my imagination has been troubled ever since. You'll just be in time for the strawberries, Major Rossiter." He had always been John till quite lately, John with the memories of childhood, but now he had become Major Rossiter. She went out into the garden with him for a moment as he took his leave not quite alone, as a little boy of two years was clinging to her hand. "'If I had my way,' she said, "'I'd have my neighbours everywhere, at a distance. I envy a man chiefly for that.' "'Those one loves best should be very near, I think.' "'Those one loves best of all? Oh, yes, so that one may do something. It wouldn't do not to have you every day, would it, Bobby?' Then she allowed the willing little urchin to struggle up into her arms and to kiss her, all smeared as was his face with bread and butter. "'Your mother meant to say that I was running away from my old friends.' "'Of course she did. You see, you loom so very large to us here. You are such a swell, as Dick says, that we are a little sore when you pass us by. Everybody likes to be bowed to by royalty. Don't you know that? Brook Park is, of course, the proper place for you but you don't expect but what we are going to express our little disgusts and little prides when we find ourselves left behind." No words could have less declared her own feelings on the matter than those she was uttering, but she found herself compelled to laugh at him, 
lest in the other direction something of tenderness might escape her whereby he might be injured worse than by her raillery in nothing that she might say could there be less of real reproach to him than in this i hate that word swell he said so do i then why do you use it to show you how much better brook park is than beetham i am sure they don't talk about swells at brook park why do you throw brook park in my teeth i feel an inclination to make myself disagreeable to-day are you never like that i hope not and then i am bound to follow up what poor dear mamma began but i won't throw brook park in your teeth the ladies i know are very nice sir walter wanless is a little grand isn't he you know said he that i should be much happier here than there because sir walter is so grand because my friends here are dearer friends but still it is right that i should go one cannot always be where one would be happiest i am happiest with bobby said she and i can always have bobby then she gave him her hand at the gate and he went down to the parsonage that night mrs rossiter was closeted for a while with her son before they both went to bed she was supposed in beetham to be of a higher order of intellect of a higher stamp generally than her husband or daughter and to be in that respect nearly on a par with her son she had not travelled as he had done but she was of an ambitious mind and had thoughts beyond beetham the poor dear parson cared for little outside the bounds of his parish i am so glad you are going to stay for a while over at brook park she said only for three days in the intimacy of a house three days is a lifetime of course i do not like to interfere when this was said the major frowned knowing well that his mother was going to interfere but i cannot help thinking how much a connection with the wanlesses would do for you i don't want anything from any connection that is all very well john for a man to say but in truth we all depend on connections one with another you are beginning the world i don't know about that mother to my eyes you are of course you look upwards i take all that as it comes no doubt but still you must have it in your mind to rise a man is much assisted very much by the kind of wife he marries much would be done for a son-in-law of sir walter wanless nothing i hope ever for me on that score to succeed by favour is odious but even to rise by merit so much outside assistance is often necessary though you will assuredly deserve all that you will ever get yet you may be more likely to get it as a son-in-law to sir walter wanless than if you were married to some obscure girl men who make the most of themselves in the world do think of these things i am the last woman in the world to recommend my boy to look after money and marriage the miss wanlesses will have none and therefore i can speak the more freely they will have very little as coming from such a family but he has great influence he has contested the county five times and then where is there a handsomer girl than georgiana wanless the major thought he knew one but he did not answer the question and she is all that such a girl ought to be her manners are perfect and her conduct a constant performance of domestic duties is of course admirable if it comes to one to have to wash linen 
she who washes her linen well is a good woman but among mean things high spirits are not to be found i am not so sure of that it must be so how can the employment of every hour in the day on menial work leave time for the mind to fill itself making children's frocks may be a duty but it must also be an impediment you are speaking of alice of course i am speaking of alice i would wager my head that she has read twice more in the last two years than georgiana wanless but mother i am not disposed to discuss either the one young lady or the other i am not going to brook park to look for a wife and if i ever take one it will be simply because i like her best and not because i wish to use her as a rung of a ladder by which to climb upwards into the world that all this and just this would be said to her mrs rossiter had been aware but still she had thought that a word in season might have its effect and it did have its effect john rossiter as he was driven over to brook park on the following morning was unconsciously mindful of that allusion to the washerwoman he had seen that alice's cheek had been smirched by the greasy crumbs from her little brother's mouth he had seen that the tips of her fingers showed the mark of the needle he had seen fragments of thread about her dress and the mud even from the children's boots on her skirts he had seen this and had been aware that georgiana wanless was free from all such soil on her outward raiment he liked the perfect grace of unspotted feminine apparel and he had too thought of the hours in which alice might probably be employed amidst the multifarious needs of a nursery and had argued to himself much as his mother had argued it was good and homely worthy of a thousand praises but was it exactly that which he wanted in a wife he had repudiated with scorn his mother's cold worldly doctrine but yet he had felt that it would be a pleasant thing to have it known in london that his wife was the daughter of sir walter wanless it was true that she was wonderfully handsome a complexion perfectly clear a nose cut as out of marble a mouth delicate as of a goddess with a waist quite to match it her shoulders were white as alabaster her dress was at all times perfect her fingers were without mark or stain there might perhaps be a want of expression but faces so symmetrical are seldom expressive and then to crown all this he was justified in believing that she was attached to himself almost as much had been said to him by lady wanless herself a word which would amount to as much coupled as it was with an immediate invitation to brook park of this he had given no hint to any human being but he had been at brook park once before and some rumour of something between him and miss georgiana wanless had reached the people at beetham had reached as we have seen not only mrs rossiter but also alice dugdale there had been moments up in london when his mind had veered round towards miss wanless but there was one little trifle which opposed the action of his mind and that was his heart he had begun to think that it might be his duty to marry georgiana but the more he thought so the more clearly would the figure of alice stand before him so that no veil could be thrown over it when he tried to summon to his imagination the statuesque beauty of the one girl the bright eyes of the other would look at him 
and the words from her speaking mouth would be in his ears. He had once kissed Alice, immediately on his return, in the presence of her father, and the memory of the halcyon moment was always present to him. When he thought most of Miss Wanless, he did not think much of her kisses. How grand she would be at his dining-table, how glorious in his drawing-room! But with Alice, how sweet would it be to sit by some brookside and listen to the waters! And now, since he had been at Beetham, from the nature of things which sometimes make events to come from exactly contrary causes, a new charm had been added to Alice, simply by the little effort she had made to annoy him. She had talked to him of swells, and had pretended to be jealous of the Wanlesses, just because she had known that he would hate to hear such a word from her lips, and that he would be vexed by exhibition of such a feeling on her part. He was quite sure that she had not committed these sins, because they belonged to her as a matter of course. Nothing could be more simple than her natural language, or her natural feelings. But he had chosen to show him that she was ready to run into little faults which might offend him. The reverse of her ideas came upon him. She had said, as it were, "'See how little anxious I must be to dress myself in your mirror when I put myself in the same category with my poor stepmother.' Then he said to himself that he could see her as he was fain to see her in her own mirror, and he loved her the better because she had dared to run the risk of offending him. As he was driven up to the house at Brook Park, he knew that it was his destiny to marry either the one girl or the other, and he was afraid of himself, that before he left the house he might be engaged to the one he did not love. There was a moment in which he thought he would turn round and go back. "'Major Rossiter,' Lady Wanless had said, "'you know how glad we are to see you here. There is no young man of the day of whom Sir Walter thinks so much.' Then he had thanked her. But may I say a word in warning? Certainly. And may I trust to your honour? I think so, Lady Wanless. Do not be much with that sweet darling of mine, unless, indeed— And then she had stopped. Major Rossiter, though he was a major, and had served some years in India, blushed up to his eyebrows, and was unable to answer a word but he knew that Georgiana Wanless had been offered to him, and was entitled to believe that the young lady was prone to fall in love with him. Lady Wanless, had she been asked for an excuse for such conduct, would have said that the young men of the present day were slow in managing their own affairs, unless a little help were given to them. When the Major was almost immediately invited to return to Brook Park, he could not but feel that if he were so to make his choice, he would be received there as a son-in-law. It may be that unless he intended so to be received, he should not have gone. This he felt as he was driven across the park, and was almost minded to return to Beetham. End of chapter 2